0: What city or town comes to mind when using the term music capital? Maybe Nashville for country or St. Louis for blues, possibly New Orleans for jazz. Now think holiday music, Christmas and Thanksgiving. Does the city of Medford, Massachusetts spring to mind? No? Well, maybe it should. I've previously talked about what is probably the most famous Thanksgiving song over the river and through the woods, penned by Lydia Maria Child on the banks of the Mystic River in that city. But another tune, maybe the most famous Christmas song, and one of the most well-known pieces of music of any type, might also have been written there, just about four houses and six years apart. Jingle bells. At least that's what the plaque says. To be fair... The city of Savannah, Georgia, also makes claim to the song. And a member of the Medford Historical Society said, back in a 2017 online newspaper article, that her research leads her to think they might both be wrong. She feels it was more likely written in Boston, where the composer lived for a while. But the evidence for Medford is pretty strong, too. Today, and for more than 150 years or so, Shingle Bells has become ubiquitous during the holidays. Nearly every performer who sings Christmas songs has a version, ranging from Frank Sinatra, The Beatles, Dolly Parton, Michael Buble, the latest popular bands and performers of all genres, to symphony orchestras. You hear snippets of it all the time in Christmas movies and TV shows. It was the first song broadcast from space as Gemini 6 astronauts played a harmonica version. You hear it in every department store and seemingly every elevator during the holiday season. Some people even use a few bars as a doorbell chime. There's probably no other piece of music so closely tied to a holiday and known to more people. It may be a simple melody, easy to learn on just about any instrument, but it's also history. Way back, when I was in college, my human relations professor posed a question to us. Would you rather achieve fame, fortune, or immortality? The premise was that we all favor one of these options. He asked, If you could choose, would you like to be famous during your lifetime? Would you rather make a fortune even without gaining fame? Or would you like to create something that lives long after you're gone and forgotten? The example he used for this last choice was the song Jingle Bells. Everyone everywhere seemingly knows it and can sing the words, but practically no one has any idea. Who the composer was. It's amazing to think that Jingle Bells, one of the most recognizable songs anywhere, was written by someone that only the most dedicated triviologists can name, James Lord Pierpont. If he's remembered at all, he lives through his far more well-known nephew, J.P. Morgan, as in John Pierpont Morgan. The songwriter James was born in Boston in 1822. His father, John, was a minister at the Hollis Street Unitarian Church. His mother was Mary Lord. He was one of six children. At the age of ten, James was sent to a boarding school in New Hampshire. Not long after enrolling, he wrote to his mother about riding a sleigh through the snow. This could very well have been what got him thinking about what would become Jingle Bells. Apparently, he didn't like school, at age 14, he ran away to work on a whaling ship, the shock. Later, he joined the Navy. After that, he had a brief stint living in Troy, New York, and while there married Millicent Cowie. The pair had two children. Pierpont returned to Massachusetts and eventually settled in Medford at a place called Simpson's Tavern right in the square. His father followed him there, taking a pulpit at the Medford Unitarian Church. Pierpont wasn't the most upright of citizens. He had trouble maintaining a steady job. He left his wife and children with his father and headed west to make his fortune during the gold rush. Gold wasn't in the cards for him, but he did open a photography shop in San Francisco, which didn't last long. It eventually burned to the ground, so he returned to Massachusetts once again. Meanwhile, his brother, a minister like their father, went to preach at a church in Savannah. James, with no money or immediate prospects, moved south and boarded with him. Pierpont tried his luck as a songwriter. His first published composition was called The Returned Californian. Its semi-autobiographical words were a bit silly, Oh, I'm going far away from my creditors just now. I ain't the tin to pay them, and they're kicking up a row. I ain't one of those lucky ones that works for Uncle Sam. There's no chance for speculation, and the mines ain't worth a damn. He enjoyed mild success in that field, but he didn't gain either fame or fortune. His brother's church hit upon hard times. He preached from a staunch abolitionist position which did not sit well with the people of Savannah, so when it failed, he moved back north. James, who sympathized with the southern cause and did not favor emancipation, stayed behind. Later, during the Civil War, he joined the Confederate Army to fight for continued slavery. In 1857, though, he copyrighted a song that he had previously written called a one-horse open sleigh. He considered it Thanksgiving music. It was debuted at the Ordway Minstrel Hall on Washington Street, Boston, sung by Johnny Pell. In fact, Pierpont dedicated it to John P. Ordway, an organizer of a black-faced minstrel troupe. According to local legend, it was written about sleigh races from Medford to Malden. A woman identifying herself as Mrs. Otis Waterman remembers him composing the song on the piano in the parlor of Simpson's Tavern. It's not completely clear-cut, though, where the song actually originated. A battle between Savannah and Medford has raged for years, sometimes heated, about the birthplace of the song. Medford has an eyewitness on its side of the debate, The climate in Medford is more conducive to sleigh rides. It was published in Massachusetts by Oliver Ditson, and it was first sung here. On the other hand, it is quite clear that Pierpont was in Georgia when he had it copyrighted. Both cities have bronze markers declaring that the song was written there. There is a third possibility. In a Boston.com article posted in December 2017, Kaina Hamill, a theater history professor at Boston University, is quoted. She has done considerable research on the subject and concluded that maybe neither city is correct. It was more likely created in Boston, she says, where Pierpont was living for a while when he returned to the area. According to the posted article by Nick DeCosta Klepa, Hamill's research is more focused on the song's ties to racism than it is to its birthplace, so she admits that aspect is not fully explored. Pierpont's songwriting did not sustain him. He lived out his final days offering piano lessons. Pierpont's son John worked hard after his father's death to maintain ownership of what had become known as jingle bells, toiling to keep his father's name attached to the song. The son ultimately made considerably more royalty money than his father had, but in the long run, very few people in the 21st century know of its authorship. Today's version has some slight differences with the original, the name, for example. Also, the line, Oh, what joy it is to ride, for some reason, now reads, Oh, what fun. There are a couple of other minor differences as well. The tune is slightly different, too. Check out YouTube for an 1857 version, and you'll see what I mean. No one today thinks of Jingle Bells as anything more than a nice, easy to sing holiday tune. It is synonymous with Christmas. No one associates it with slavery or the bigotry of its composer or its minstrel origins. Jingle Bells lives on, in fact, thrives, long after its author has faded into history. That might not be a bad thing, considering the personality and life choices Pierpont made. Maybe for the song's sake, it is just as well we've forgotten the man who wrote it. Thanks for listening. Come back next time for more Tales and Tidbits of New England as we dig out another story from Allen's Archives.